The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as trial-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're coming to you live from my house again. Yes, and it's Monday again. I know everybody keeps saying it's like Groundhog Day, right? Where it's just like rinse and repeat. But that means we're back. And I'm grateful to be back here with you guys. We got a big, big show planned for you today. And I'm really excited. We're going to be with you live for this whole hour. Uh, you know, some of you have been asking questions about, you know, how come you can see me during the opening it's, you know, we just did it by accident one day and somebody said that they liked it because they could just see what I'm doing. A lot of times I'm taking my vitamins. Uh, I have to take my chelated magnesium uh, is what you see me taking. Uh, and I do my little dance to our song. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, and sometimes you see me talking to the guests. You saw me talking to Eustacia the other day, talking to Temple Grandin. Uh, I don't know. I, some of you have said you like it, but tell us if you hate it. and Well, we, we can shut it off. It just is what it is. Anyway, uh, we are live and uh, we are social distancing. You know, what else is new? And so our guests are remote and my producer is remote, but we are live. I know you're watching a lot of things these days that are from people's homes that say that they're live, but I would ask you to ask how many of those are actually live. We are actually live right now, which means that sometimes stuff happens and uh, my dog barks or, you know, the internet decides it doesn't like us, but, you know, let's have a sense of humor about all that is my suggestion, at least to me. Anyway, I'm thrilled that uh, we're here, and I want to remind you of the different ways that you can watch us. Uh, if Traven, if you have that slide to put up at some point, great. If not, I will go without it. And uh, you can watch us live in many different places, starting with autism-live.com. That's our homepage. Lots to do on that page. You can search eight, over eight years of content there. You can write in questions. You can check out our toy guide that we put out during the holiday season, but is good the year round. Uh, you can do all kinds of things on our homepage and it's all free and it's international. And so that's really good. But you can also watch us live on this first column here, Twitter, Facebook, Periscope, and YouTube. You can watch us live any of those places. We then podcast the show. We're, the show still exists on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Periscope, and YouTube. And in fact, what Traven, the fabulous Traven does, is he cuts up the interviews for you so that you don't necessarily have to watch the whole thing. He does like a highlight of, of different things that you might be interested in or that two years from now, you might say to yourself, I want to see that quote when Temple Grandin was talking about how fabulous telehealth was during the COVID emergency. And instead of looking up the dates, you would type in 
Temple Grandin, telehealth, and it would give you just that little snippet there. Uh, so uh, that's available on YouTube only. Uh, well, no, that's not true. It's available on autism-life.com too. But now if you're looking for the full podcast, because you're not watching us live and you're like, you know, I catch up on it on the weekends, Shannon. I got a couple of things for you. First of all, we started doing something called the marathon on Facebook on Saturdays, which is when you get to watch the whole week of autism live back to back to back to back. Um, and it's been very interesting to see many of you tuning into that. So yay to Traven for figuring that out and yay to all of you that are finding that. But you can also find the individual podcast shows on iTunes. You can download, I, it's a free download, by the way. You can download either the, the recording with just sound, so you can take us for a walk or in the car, or you can download with sound and picture. So it's your choice. Then you can also listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. So uh, those are some different ways that you guys can connect with us. We have a power packed show for you. So don't want to belabor anything, but I do like to tell you at the start of the show that we have lots of experts on the show, but please don't count me as one of them. I'm an autism mom, a former teacher, a uh, former stand-up comedian, slightly unhinged, and who likes to <laughs> find the humor in as much things as I can, right? Um, and I'm a mom. I'm a mom of a wonderful individual who was diagnosed with autism when he was two and a half. And that's why I'm here, because I got so lucky. I got so lucky in the kiddo that I have and the resources that we found. Yeah, I mean, I'm a curious person and I asked questions, but I was so overwhelmed and so upside down at day one and so desperate and was on my knees praying saying, please, 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 please don't let me mess this up. Please don't let me, you know, be the parent who couldn't figure it out, right? But there was, there was no place to go where somebody would say, okay, here's some resources. So I made a promise. I said, help me to help uh, my kiddo. And I promise I will turn around and do whatever I can to help somebody else. That's it, you guys. That's the whole mission here. I want to help you to find the inspiration and the information that will help you to get where you need to go. And when I say you, I'm talking to the larger autism community. That starts with individuals who are on the autism spectrum, of course, right? Um, because that's the core of the autism community. But when I say the larger autism community, I'm talking about everybody who loves an individual or many individuals on the autism spectrum. Now, you know, we're the support, right? We're the parents, the teachers, the practitioners, the spouses, the boyfriends, the girlfriends, right? We care about these individuals and we want to help them to get to the resources that will help them to be able to do what they want to do with their lives. Not what we want them to do, what they want to do. Um, that's what I'm here for. Uh, that's the, that's the baseline. I, I have a karmic debt to pay down. And so that is why I'm here and write in, tell us what you need. I will do my level best. I will tell you that we have been buried, um, absolutely buried. And it's a quality problem, um, that so many of you are watching and requesting different guests and I'm, I'm working my way through them. <laughs> Give me a minute. Um, I'm trying to prioritize when people are asking for help over people saying, hey, I've got a, you know, a friend who would be great. I'm sure they would be great and I will get to it eventually, I promise you. All right, uh, we also like to start the show with something we fondly refer to as 
the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani nani are the experts talking about? What has this got to do with us? Um, you know, I frequently wanted people to like, um, you know, speak English um, because that was the language that I spoke. But I'm sure for some of you out there, it's a different language. But put it to me in plain language that I understand. Okay, and today we're taking on some of the jargon that, oh, hurts my head, y'all. Uh, but it came up uh, about a week and a half ago in the discussion. So I was like, ah, oh, we got to go back to these. Okay, today's jargon term. And first we're gonna give you the actual definition and then I will make fun of it. And then we will try to see if we can make an inroad into what this means. So uh, today's term is differential reinforcement of alternative behavior. But you won't hear, hear anybody say that when they throw this jargon around. No, because even they don't like all of those words, right? So they'll say DRA. They'll say, well, you know, we're doing DRA or we should try DRA or how is the DRA going, right? And you go, the what, the where, the when, the how, what exactly are you talking about? So let's tootle into our actual definition of DRA so that we will want to pound our heads on some cement. Shall we? Shall we go there? Okay, DRA. My favorite thing is to do the elevator voice. A procedure for decreasing problem behavior in which reinforcement is delivered for a behavior that serves as a desirable alternative to a behavior targeted for reduction and withheld following instances of the problem behavior. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for Cooper, Heron, and Hayward, 2007. Now look, this is the book. If you wanna get the book, the book that all your like egghead uh, people refer to when they're trying to figure out what these terms are, there it is, the Cooper, Heron, and Hayward. Uh, this particular edition is 2007. I'm sure that there's a newer one but it's just as convoluted, ladies and gentlemen. This is why more and more universities write to us and tell us that their students are looking up their definition in, in, the, in their Cooper, as they call it, uh, but then they tune in here to see how we like bring it down to language that anybody could understand, even if they don't have an advanced degree in psychology. So useless to me, this thing, let's move on to our working definition and see if we can't make heads or tails of this. Uh, okay, <laughs> I love Traven's fancy uh, transitions. Oh no, Traven, it's the wrong one. And I need help for this one because it hurts my head. Do you have the right one there? I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> it's, because uh, it's got biomedical, did it have the right wording maybe? Uh, he's working on that. Uh, okay, because there's two, and I always get them, like, this is where I have a hard time. There's DRA and DRO. So DRA is differential reinforcement of alternative, uh, and uh, DRO is differential reinforcement of other behavior. So uh, now let's talk about what differential reinforcement is, first of all. So uh, reinforcement is when you give somebody a paycheck for something that they're doing, um, or, uh, or it's just intrinsic that it happens. So, you know, uh, you go to work and you get an actual paycheck uh, or you get automatic deposit and that keeps you coming to your job if it's enough pay and if the job isn't hard enough, right? So when a child gets up in the morning 
and uh, they put on your shoes and you say, good job. That's reinforcement, right? And for that child, that might be enough reinforcement for them to continue to put on their shoes. Hopefully over time, um, wearing the shoes or like being ready, you know, auto gets them to the point where they are wanting, wanting, wanting to put on their shoes, right? Doesn't always work that way with our kids. Sometimes we have to continue making a reinforcement. There are things about your job that might be reinforcing in and of themselves, like, you know, people tell you good job, people do all these things, but would you keep doing it without the paycheck? Ah, right? So with our kiddos, we want to constantly be working towards getting them to the point where something is reinforcing on their own. And so sometimes we will give the reinforcement and sometimes we won't, right? Um, we, I call that the slot machine, that you, you know, reinforce, reinforce, reinforce. So let's say that your child is engaging in a challenging behavior. I don't know if Traven's going to be able to find, of course. Uh, but let's say your child is engaging in a challenging behavior and it's a tough nut to crack. Like some of the most challenging behaviors, right? It's like, ah, uh, how are we going to target that? So we might use DRA and we might use DRO. We're going to have DRO tomorrow. We'll get a little bit more into that. Um, but let's say that let's say that the behavior is that the child is spitting on their hands, and um, they you know they spit on their hands and they like the feel of it, and and then they like put it on their desk and they make all the shapes with it on the desk. Now this becomes a health concern, right? And it's going to prevent them from writing. This is a challenging behavior. Oh, Draven's got something. Uh, DRA, a type of intervention used to reduce challenging behavior. A more appropriate behavior is identified. Reinforcement is given when the more appropriate behavior is used or observed. Functional communication training is uh, one type of DRA intervention. Thank you, Trayvon. Because uh, I, like, I can sort of get there, but I, but I need some help too. Okay, so we go back to the example of the kid spitting on his hands, right? Now we know, and if you watch the show, you know this, that there's always uh, some sort of paycheck for the behavior. So the first thing that we have to do is figure out what the function of this behavior is. What's the paycheck? For this kiddo, it might be, might be that he likes the feel of it on his hands. He likes that, that sort of you know, slippery feeling on his hands and his hands need some sort of a reinforcer. You know, it's like the, the people who play with koosh balls, they gotta have that hand set and they like some sensory things. We got some of those club squishy things at, at the holiday time. Oh my gosh, we loved them and couldn't stop playing them. And it was really uh, quite a relaxing thing because they had a certain feel to them and some felt one way and some felt another way. So if we found that the function of the behavior of the spitting for the kiddo was that he liked the feel of it, we would give him something else, alternative, right? That gave him the paycheck. So we might give him the club squishy anytime that we see that, you know, uh, it's the time of day when he's feeling stressed and, you know, when he would normally start spitting, we would give him the club squishy and hopefully, um, you know, that would prevent the spitting and we would reinforce, the squishy is not the reinforcer, we would reinforce using the squishy instead of spitting. Now it might be just praise that we say, you know, good, you know, playing with the squishy, right? Which seems ridiculous, but the reinforcer would be something that encouraged the child to keep using the squishy. So if, you know, if the child is not praise driven, it would not be the squishy or it would not be the praise. We, we would do something else. Like they would get a reward for playing with the squishy. 
See, this is where it gets a little crazy because you think, well, the, the squishy is reinforcing in and of itself. But remember what we're trying to do. We're trying to stop the spitting. So we're reinforcing alternative behavior. So in this example, the, the challenging behavior was spitting. The function of the behavior was that it was automatically reinforcing. It was a sensory thing. We gave an alternative behavior, the squishy, and then we reinforce the squishy. Does that make sense? But it's a very specific thing that we want to do to give that person um, that's an alternative to what they were doing to get the paycheck. Does that make sense? It has a direct tie to what they were doing. Because you're going to see tomorrow when we do DRO, it's whole other world. So alternative behavior. So um, challenging behavior, you come up with something that gives the same paycheck or that competes with the paycheck, right? Um, and then you reinforce doing this behavior. Okay, thank you, Trayvon, for saving me. Uh, but there it is, DRA. So when people talk about DRA, just remember we're giving the, we're, it's like, like a bypass is what it is. You're giving a reinforcer for something, same paycheck, but you're like, look over here, it's happening over here instead of here. And it's more functional. Functional communication, great example. We want our individuals to be speaking instead of you know having to throw a tantrum to get what they want. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I belabored it too long. And we got people waiting, waiting to be on the show. So let's go on to our question of the day. Our question today, what do you do to take your mind off of something? How do you distract yourself? And, and I'm asking you this question because I think it's important for all of us to think about like when something is really on, on us, how do we take our minds off of it? Because there's a million different ways, right? And my way may not work for you. And your way may not work for me. Now it might, and it might be worth it to try it. Your way may be something that I've never even thought of before, but it's very personal, isn't it? What takes people's minds off of things. And by the way, different times of the day, different subject, different you know circumstances, you might need to take your mind off of different things in different ways. But right into us, what do you take, what do you do to take your mind off of something? All right. Now, our question of the day, because we always, it's actually our question of the week. We always have a question for you guys. Uh, and by the way, you can be writing these in on Facebook. Our, excuse me, our topic, man, it's Monday. Our topic this entire week is self-care. We have all got to be self-full. I know that many of you watching the show are caregivers. And that, um, and it may just be caregivers of yourself, um, but you're caregivers of someone sometimes uh, uh, in addition to yourself. And often we put ourselves very last on the list, which is very funny because the thing that we want to ensure the most is that those individuals are okay. And we set up these circumstances under which we, you know, are their champions, we are their people. And then we forget to take care of us. And if we don't take care of us, we, we mess up two things. We jeopardize the thing that's most important, which is us taking care of those people. And we don't model the behavior. And I think that I know 
none of us really want to listen to the first one because it's like, I'll do that next week, right? Although next week becomes 20 years later. Um, but I do think we respond to the whole thing about modeling the behavior. That if you don't show the people in your life how to take care of themselves by taking care of you, they really won't get the lesson. So we're going to talk about this this week. We are hopefully going to get some self-care things going on. I want you to know that on our Autism Live Pinterest, we have a whole self-care uh, board that is just for caregivers. Please check it out. Uh, it's a great thing to model. Okay, great show for you. We're already running behind here. I got to check my time. Oh, yes, we're running behind. Uh, starting off, we got Bonnie Yates joining us momentarily. She's a special education attorney. You guys wrote in some questions. We're going to get to as many of them as we can. And then a little bit later on in the show, Alex Lynn, autism advocate from Autism Rocks, the concert Autism Rocks, which has been postponed because of COVID. Um, and he's going to be here with us to talk about the disappointment of that and when that might be coming back up and how he's dealing with COVID. So that's what we have going on. Uh, and hopefully, is Bonnie already with us? Let's get, let's get Bonnie in here because I've already kept her waiting. And um, Bonnie is a special education attorney uh, from the Tolner Law Offices. And um, I don't see her, uh, but she should be joining us momentarily. I'm and there. she's there, but I can't see her. Am I in the wrong view? I nope. don't know. I see you. Is your camera going? I'll start my video. There, there you are, and looking all fresh and springy. Thank you. How's it going? So happy to have you here this morning. Why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about Tolner Law Offices and give the disclaimer for us. All right, thanks, Shannon. If you would. Good morning, everyone. I hope everybody's feeling good and healthy this morning. Tolner Law Offices is an aid attorney, special education law firm with offices in San Jose, Los Angeles, and Irvine. You can find us on the web by Googling Tolner Law Offices. And um, if you live in Northern or Southern California, we're happy to talk to you personally and directly about your specific case. Uh, the reason for that is that the advice we give on this show is really general information entitled that, excuse me, intended to make you more comfortable when you advocate for your child, but it's not a substitute for a conversation with a real attorney about a specific problem. If you are not in California and you need to talk to a special education attorney, um, I would direct you to the COPA website, copaa.net. Uh, that covers the 50 states and it's a lot of people who are uh, committed to doing this work. So you have to do your individual interviewing, of course, and find somebody that resonates with you, but, it, but in general, most of the people that do this work are doing it because they believe in it. So anyway. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that, Bonnie. Uh, I, we have a couple of questions. Do you have anything that you want to talk about before we launch into the questions? Not today, no. Okay. So question number one, I'm seeing, oh, I'm sorry. Actually, yes, I lied. Okay. Sorry. Uh, so we've been, you know, circulating to, to you folks and to other folks frequently asked questions about school closure. We're gonna be doing some more of that. The situation is changing daily. And so stuff that we put out two weeks ago, like now we know more about which way things are gonna trend. So I'm hoping we're gonna be able to put together an opportunity for people to come in and have a longer discussion 
for the benefit of the entire audience about their specific cases. We did that last week in another venue and people had very good questions and sometimes the questions were complex because of the fluidity and novelty of the situation. So just know if you're having a lot of trouble with this, um, so are a lot of other people. And I'm also getting reports from parents, not surprisingly, that their children are becoming depressed from being at home. So we have to be mindful of the fact that there are certain people within our population who are more sensitive and susceptible to changes in conditions. And um, for those of you that are doing well at home or you're learning a lot or you're figuring, figuring out a lot about your relationship with your child, um, I'm hearing some people saying, God, I don't even know if we want to go back to school because we're getting so much more done. For the other 50% of you or whatever the percentage is that you're struggling, please understand that this is not specific to you or your fault. And we will work with you to try to come up with solutions for your situation, but it is not novel at all that people are having trouble with this. I think I told you, Shannon, but maybe I didn't. A few years ago, I had to do a continuing ed program and I ordered an online, you know, mm. uh, 25 hour package. And um, it was it was terrible. Oh. I, I mean, the, the screen was the size of a postage stamp and I just couldn't pay attention. So I had to find another way to do it. So I think about that when I think about distance learning for people, you know. Yeah. And that was a situation yeah, well, I paid for it. I had to do it. So I was, I had a lot of skin in the game and I still couldn't do it, you know. Yeah. It's um, it, it is a tale of many cities right now. Uh, even though we have laws, you know, this COVID emergency has really, as as my friends across the pond say, thrown a spanner in the works. Um, because, you know, I, I am seeing some, as you said, you know, some families that are just capitalizing that on it, and you can see that in the questions that we've gotten this week. And other people who are just like, I need some help and my school is not helping me at all. Um, so it, it is different um, in each district and different within each family and within each need. So um, I'm glad that you're on the job and that you've got uh, answers for us. I'm gonna launch right into this first question which goes right along with what you were talking about. I'm seeing that my child is making more progress at home with me doing ABA. Can I make the case to keep him home even when school does start? He is six, has autism and ADHD in the LAUSD school district. Okay, well, that's a really good question and it has a lot of arms. So the first, the first thing I would say is, um, yes, you are finding that your child's learning potential is greater than would be indicated by review of his IEP. I would suggest that you, you do video documentation of some of that work and keep work samples. So when you wanna make the case later that um, something different should be done, you have your documentation. Now your question doesn't make clear to me whether or not you would consider going back into LAUSD with an NPA behaviorist if the district would offer that, or if no, you really want out of the and you um, wanna you know, go it alone. If it's the former, there, LAUSD, uh, is one of the school districts that actually will place a non-public agency behaviorist in a classroom with an elementary school student, but it isn't usually granted at the IEP, although I have had it happen, but it is often or almost always granted in mediation. 
So if that's the route you want to go, you need to start putting together your case, your due process case for how to get this uh, agreed to for next school year. If what you're saying to me is I want to take my child out of the district and homeschool because I think this is better for him, that's a very simple process. And the state of California allows you to start a private school in your home by going to the California Department of Education website, which is not a special ed website, this is all children, fill out a two-page private school affidavit, and voila, you are a homeschool. The state does not monitor curriculum or anything else that you do. And because you filed that affidavit, you are immune from being accused of truancy. So you've got two ways to go. Either can work. Uh, good luck with that. And if you, you know, need to clarify your question more, go ahead and send us some more info about it. Okay. Uh, next question. We had the IEP the other day virtually, and they did not want to add any goals for next year. Just keep the same because of the uncertainty. I think this is wrong. What do I do? And this I, this is a tale I've been hearing more and more about, Bonnie. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know which district this person is in, but I would like to know. It's always nice to know what they're up to. The answer is that the IEP has to be appropriately ambitious. And the goals have to be both um, appropriate, measurable, and attainable. And when we see the same goals being carried over year after year, that's usually going to lead to a challenge that the IEP did not offer a FAPE um, because it's supposed to be attempting to, you know, uh, project that there will be a year's progress in a year. And if you're keeping all the same goals, essentially what that means is either you're very behind and you didn't meet these goals, which is a problem, or they just assume you're not going to learn anything in the next year. But um, yes, uh, what I would do is tell them you were talking to an attorney, you asked a question about whether this was a good sign or a bad sign. And she said, well, when I file for due process, one of the things I look at is whether the goals were appropriately ambitious, measurable and attainable, but also we're gonna look at the progress on the past goals. If there isn't progress, we're gonna say, well, it was your job to make him progress. How come that didn't work? And if there is progress, we're gonna say, then why aren't you proposing a more ambitious set of goals for the, the following 12 months? But I think what you're really seeing is you're seeing their own like, um, uh, ambivalence or uncertainty about how to proceed given school closure. So they're trying to uh, cover themselves uh, at the expense of your child's growth. Yeah, well, when you put it like that, Bonnie, <laughs> but that's, that is it, right? Yep. Uh, okay, thank you for that. So uh, next question, um, ESY extended school year doesn't look like it's going to happen. What is my best move to make sure I can be reimposed first for the program I am going to have to set up for her? Well, I'm hearing that ESY may happen. Really? May happen. Yeah, but I don't think anybody really knows yet. So, I mean, I don't think they're going to do IEPs in the summer, but uh, I could be wrong about that. I don't think they're going to do assessments, but I, I think there will be some kind of ESY. But your question was, if there isn't, what should I do? I guess the other question is, if there is, but it's really useless, what should you do? Um, we have been having clients ask us in different situations, if they pay for private services during school closure, can they get reimbursed? And the answer is maybe. 
Maybe. Senate Bill 117, which is what we're dealing with, you know, said that the state government had to do its best. Uh, it also didn't suspend federal law, uh, but it's clear that they aren't having to give the, the kind of education that they would have had to give had school been open. Um, if you are gonna do anything private, always give 10 business days notice in writing of what you're doing and the reasons why you have to do it because the district's IEP doesn't offer you FAPE. With that said, uh, ESY is, has always been a problem because we're only supposedly allowed to work with students that really regress during the summer and take two or three months to get back to that um, operational point that they were at when the, the prior school year ended. So it's, it's people think ESY is to catch people up or get them grade to grade. It's really just to keep them even. So it may be hard to tie placement and payment of private services to ESY or it may not. I, I would suspect that the way these cases are gonna go is gonna be case by case, hearing by hearing, depending on the degree of regression the child experienced during school closure uh, and you know, I don't think there's going to be a one-size-fits-all answer. It is potentially um, fair to make the comparison between school closure and ESY as a period of time, because the ESY is like two months. School closure would have been longer than that. So if your child does have an ESY eligibility, you know, arguably you will be entitled to something during that period. It's the, the question is how much and what risk do you want to take? I think we don't know enough yet. If you're talking about twenty-five dollars or $30,000 of tuition on the line, I don't know. But if you're going to have to do it anyway, you may as well try to follow the rules, give notice, and see if you can get your tuition reimbursed. Here's my additional question on behalf of this parent, because I know I, I'm talking to parents and they're you know, they're trying to take care of this moment in time, but everybody's starting to go, it's just like, I can't even fight with them to the end of the school year, but I got to be looking ahead to the summer. My kid is already maybe a little bit behind. And you know, Bonnie, because you have multiple kids that when, when you want to find a camp or a program during the summer, when, in typical times, you got to book that in February. Mm -hmm. Like it's late now. So parents are sort of scrambling now to see a who's got a program for the summer that thinks that they're going to be able to launch it. And I'm finding that those programs that there's already a waiting list. So for, for I'm wondering for this parent, if they wait to see what happens, there may be nothing left. But do you bite the bullet and put the deposit on something that is non-refundable, I would argue that that thing has to be refundable because it may not even go. Yeah, I would, um, I would get them to agree. Uh, how did I do this? I, I rented an Airbnb that I canceled because I couldn't go to New York to see my grandson, double wah. So yeah. before, I, before I signed, sealed and delivered, I said, if I have to care for anybody in my family that's sick, if I'm sick, if conditions make it unsafe for me to travel, you know, I came up with like several ways that I thought I might be thwarted. Will you refund my, you know, my rental deposit? And and so that's the it worked. It worked for me, although I had to cancel. Um, but I would try something like that. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a buyer's market. I think people are not going to be able to do camp if they're out of work. You know, I mean, there's. 
Yeah. I, I think I think there's going to be more room in certain respects in the system. Um, okay. I don't know, but um, there may be more options opening up. The larger question is, what can you afford to do in case you don't get it back? But you know, and what do you need to do so that your child doesn't lose ground? And I think that's really an individual decision that we can counsel you about. Okay, cool. Uh, last question for today. I have an IEP coming up and I don't know what to ask for because I don't know what is possible. Should I ask to postpone to the fall? And I read this as being, I don't know what's possible because of the school closures. If you are going into an IEP like this and you don't know what is possible, then you need to, uh, it's, it's not really that difficult, it seems to me. We're having good success in scheduling and probably rescheduling these meetings. If you don't know what to ask for, it has to start off with what are the needs and what would you like to ask for? And then we can uh, figure out you know, how to present those requests. In general, this process, it's always a good idea to go in with what you want rather than go in to you know, talk to them and say, gee, there's a lot of problems. I have no idea what would help this. Please tell me what you're gonna do, what you think is necessary to, to resolve this problem. So yeah, put it off by a week and get some answers. I don't know if you're in California or not, but if you are, um, it would be easy to, you know, what I would do, what I would ask you is I'd say, okay, uh, what has your student been receiving? How has that been working? Where was he or she at when school closed? What has he or she been doing since school closed and how he or she is? And I would make sure that whatever distance learning plan you develop, A, there's something clear in your IEP that says this is only a temporary IEP and when school closure's over, we revert back to and stay put will be the prior IEP. Um, and then I think you talk to them about what you think is needed in, in light of your child's functioning and the circumstances in the world. And then you construct some kind of a plan going forward but certainly don't go in there without giving them 24 hours written notice that you're going to record and you know have a laundry list yeah. okay uh one extra question that's come in live they want to know can my aba do esy so can my applied behavior analysis company do extended school year for those of you who don't want to be drowned in jargon today uh paid for by insurance yes are you talking about will the school district pay for my ESY that's being funded by insurance? I think we need I think we need clarification on this. Okay. And I would I would guess that it's just can they do the curriculum? But of course, it's with can it be funded? Who would fund that? An ABA company doing ESY. It would have to be the school district, right? Well, no. What if, what if what if you go to your insurance company and say due to school closure? I need more ABA and I need ABA to be able to work in a different way than it does um, ordinarily when you're only letting us work on behavioral issues, not academic issues. Um, so you have to pick up the slack because the district can't this summer. You know, it could be that kind of angle. Interesting. It'd be interesting. Let us know if that works because that could be very interesting. And, and you All know, right. can I, do, we, do we have time for just like one quick thing? Yes, go for it. Yes. Karen Fessel, F-E-S-S-E-L, Autism Health Insurance Project. Google her. She has all kinds of good ideas about how to use insurance and how to get people covered. 
for stuff when they're not covered. And she's very reasonable in terms of what she charges. If you have a need for insurance coverage for something and you're not getting it, talk to her. She started out getting kids coverage for ABA. Now she's helping parents additionally get reimbursement for residential treatment. She's a lovely person and a great resource. So if you have insurance questions, go to Karen. I love it. I love it. Bonnie, thank you so much for being with us. We're going to work with you to see if we can create some kind of a town hall in the next week or two where where people, I, I just think we need to do it later at night because I think what's good is when you're able to take questions live and ask questions and have the parents respond. Um, we, did it, we did it from six to nine and then we, you know, we had time at the end for a lot of questions. There you go. And did that work? You got you got some good response. Yep, yep, yep. Lots of good questions. There are some really killer moms out there. <laughs> really <laughs> killer moms who've educated themselves a lot about this process. I should say dads too, but there wasn't uh, dad participation that I could see. But hopefully there were dads there. But yeah, I mean, you guys are you guys are learning this and you're you're crushing it. You just you know you just got to keep going. Yeah. Right? Well, we. We appreciate you, Bonnie. Tell us again about Tolner Law Offices. Well, maybe for next week, I'll actually look up the website. But if you Google Tolner Law Offices, you can find us on, on the web. We've got a, a lot of information there for you. If you want to talk to an attorney, we've got a form you can fill in. If you need to reach me, I'm at 310-245-1968. Thank you, everybody. Great questions. Thank you, Bonnie. Love to you. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, that was Bonnie Yates from the Tolner Law Offices and an amazing special education attorney, amazing mom, amazing advocate. Uh, just love her. Uh, okay. And now we have Alex Lynn from Autism Rocks. He is an amazing advocate. And um, while we're waiting to get him started, I'm just looking at the things that you guys have written in. Somebody wrote in and said, do you have a special education curriculum for our kids? Um, you know, we recommend that you go look at skillsforautism.com. Uh, there's Alex and he's wearing his Autism Rocks t-shirt. He was there. Hello, Alex. I don't know if he can hear us yet. Ah, Alex has got a great background going there. Uh, he's, he, I've, I've watched a hilarious video about, um, backgrounds that people put in. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, even if we have to stay late, I'm going to get to some of the questions that you guys wrote in, but I want to talk to Alex here for a couple of minutes. Alex, can you hear us? Alex, can you hear me, Alex? Uh, Alex is coming to us, I, I believe from Taiwan, uh, which is why the background and the flag. Alex, are you there? One second, he says. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and address. I'm saying hi to Nikki and John and Koyan Fing and Christina and Patrick and Johani and Donna. I'm doing the, the I see Donna and I'm doing Romper Room again. Jeremy. Uh, I see Jeremy and uh, a bunch of other people uh, that I just listed on, on Mara. Alex, tell me when you can hear me. Luna, hi, you guys. Uh, let's start up at the top here until we have Alex. Uh, oh, somebody said, happy Monday and thanks for a great week last week with some great speakers. Uh, Pennsylvania is getting closer to opening from COVID, but no school here. I'm worried about keeping 
up with school and therapy. Any suggestions for trans, uh, transitioning back to normal life? I got to be honest with you guys. You know, this is something that we've been talking a lot about is that like, how do we begin to transition? And it kind of goes along with what somebody else had written about their kiddo who does not want to wear a mask to go out. Um, I think it's super important that we start adding in little programs into our day that have to do with the new reality and social distancing, that we can practice it with all kinds of things in our environment that we can, just like we would pretend grocery shop or we would pretend beauty parlor or pretend restaurant. And I encourage you, if you're not doing those things, do those things and do them with masks and do them and, you know, and, and pretend cough and have them teach you how to do it. Um, but I do think that we need to be preparing our kiddos right now for being out in the world with masks. Um, that's super hard, but that means that we need to reinforce it. Alex, can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, okay. All right. We'll come back to this about reinforcing the kids for masks because somebody had a big question about that. But Alex Lynn is here with us and he can see us and hear Hi. us now. Are you coming to us today from Taiwan? Yes, as you can see, my background is Taiwan. And, Alex, I haven't uh, seen you in so long. It's so good to see your face. Yeah, I haven't seen you for a long time. It's nice I, to see you. I know. I mean, it's been over a year. And uh, Alex, for people who don't know you, tell them a little bit about you. Um, I'm Alex Lin. If you don't know who I am, I'm the co-founder of a nonprofit called Swag Squad Inc., which was created because of Autism Rocks. Um, it's a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization uh, established in California. I did two years ago. And um, if, um, if building towards an org to be a nonprofit organization um, for youngsters, to, for them to be more involved in nonprofit, to uh, resurrect it, to change it and make it different and make it be a different kind of nonprofit to help the marginalized altogether. Um, and why did you start Autism Rocks? And I started Autism Rocks in 2016. Um, not to get confused with Swat Squad, sorry to get confused. Right, because there's two different uh, things. There's Autism Rocks, which is the concert, it's an event. Yes. But the other one, say the name of the other one again, because I'm not going Black Squad Inc. Okay. And, and that is an organization that helps. It's my nonprofit, support, yes. Right. That, that helps support Autism Rocks and other things. But, um, yes. but Autism Rocks is kind of like the thing that started the whole thing. So tell us how that yes. got started. Um, that got started because I met Ned Spector, who has, with my co-founder of Autism Rocks, and... Um, he gave me this opportunity to start a concert at Universal City Walk on April 28th, 2016, um, 7 to 9 p.m., which was amazing. I remember first hosting the concert over there. It was such a great opportunity, and I love how Universal City Walk has helped us over the years and how they have continued to support us um, over the last five years or so. Really, really awesome to have their support. and. Um, a lot of my, um, I had a lot of producers over the years, and now my producer is um, Peggy Iafredi um, from Shrek Entertainment Group, and she has um, been a great help uh, to us lately, and that also have continued to help. And yes. um, 
The purpose of the concert is to showcase people on the spectrum to show how talented they are so people can see in a very concise and easy way that um, they're talented and they can be like anyone else. That's just very, I just want to keep it short and simple. That's why I created this concert. And I thought music can bring people together. And yeah, people, people come together because of music. So that's why I created it. And how old were you the first time that you guys did Autism Rocks? 17. 17. Uh, and I wanted to make sure that people knew that because, you know, it, it was kind of an amazing thing that here, you know, I mean, you were 16 when you started working on it, but here was the 16 and 17 year old who was getting the world together to perform on this really big stage in Los Angeles, uh, Universal City Walk. And it was quite an amazing thing that he said, I'm gonna do this. And I can tell you because I was there, uh, I, I've been there at most of them, but I was definitely there the first year. And to see what happened to the audience and to hear what happened, even when they were doing the sound check, lives were changed. Uh, there was a woman who came up to me and said, what is that? What is happening right there? And I said, oh, this is Autism Rocks. It's happening tonight. And she said, I had no idea that people with autism could do what I'm seeing up there. Mm -hmm. And she said, I can't wait go to go home and tell my son. And I, re I remember then saying, you know, all right, well, Alex, you just changed the world. Because, you know, that was one person. And there were probably, you know, 10,000 people who were walking through City Walk right then watching just the sound check, let alone the performance that night. So massive kudos to you. Now, I wanted to take a couple of minutes to talk about the fact that, you know, it hasn't been easy for you to do this concert, to do this event, and you no. started the nonprofit, and it's, it's, you know, it's been a tough road for you, but you've stuck with it, and then, you know, normally the concert takes place in April, and then COVID happens. The coronavirus happens, yes. Yeah, and then, and, you know, obviously there was no possibility that it was happening yeah. in this month and talk a little bit about what that was like for you alex oh that was heartbreaking um honestly i was very depressed um because of this about how it was delayed and i was heartbroken because i worked so hard for this me and peggy are really worked very hard on this concert and um it, it was it was a long planning process and we worked very hard for this and um it was personally very disappointing that um, it didn't happen, but at the same time, uh, we had to make the right choice and decision um, the best for the best of the public, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, we haven't really talked about, and I, and I like for people to share for themselves about like, you know, if you want to share about your personal mission, why autism is important to you, I will let you decide whether to tell that. But I would love it if you would talk a little bit about how how you have helped yourself to get through the disappointment of this. Um, I've, uh, I have a, I have, I've always um, wanted to be authentic. So that's why I'm being very honest in this open conversation. I'm not afraid of saying who I am. Um, I've, I always tell people that I have autism because I want to show them that people with autism um, can be like, can also be like me, like can make friends, can socialize, can do all kinds of stuff that everyone else can. And that's why I tell people I have autism because I'm proud of it. And the thing that, that I am ashamed of. Um, 
Sorry, what, what other question again? I'm so sorry. No, I mean, I'm just, I, I, you know, I, I just wanted you to be able to put it in your words because your words are always beautiful, Alex. So thank okay. you for sharing that. But, you know, so knowing that, that you are a person who identifies yourself as being on the spectrum, um, there's a lot of people who are watching who have, who are also on the spectrum or who have a child on the spectrum who have gone through disappointment in this COVID how, oh, okay. how have you managed? How are you helping yourself okay. um, so that you can manage this disappointment? Because I know it was huge. This was very hard. It was a, it, I, I was very depressed. Like I had a few days where it was really dark. I had this like, it was dark. Like I had to like, I, I sleep in my room and, and then I was like really depressed and stuff. Um, it, it was fat, but like, um, disappointing because I work hard for it, but I see counselor uh, once a week. Um, she has been helping me. Um, shout out to Dr. Zhao. She has been very helpful the last eight years. Um, every time I'm down, she really drags me up. Um, she really understands me, which I really appreciate. Like um, some people um, will tell me that um, being depressed is not okay. And that like, um, it's not like a physical cut and you should tend you should tend to it and take care of it. But I've learned that like it is totally normal, you know, to have depression and it's nothing to be ashamed about. And if, if it happens, it happens. You can't avoid it. It just comes at you and at times that is um uncomfortable, but it happens. So uh, I just deal deal with it one day at a time and I took my time to kind of like reel in the effects of the virus and um, little things like those movies and stuff like um, like the new movies coming out that got delayed are also uh, that's disappointing for me too that all of it got delayed and things I can do with my friends all got delayed but the benefits of the other stuff of the virus is that um, all my family came back from um, overseas because town has I don't know if you heard, we only have uh, 429 cases. In the last two days, we had um, zero cases of coronavirus. And last week, there were three times in a week where there was no, zero cases too. And um, In fact, Taiwan has been one of the most effective at making keeping their population safe. You must be so proud of your country right now. I'm so proud. Um, yeah, I'm very proud of um, President Tsai Ing-wen, um, first female president in Taiwan, of course, and uh, very amazing how she and her team uh, and the health minister, um, Chen Shizong, has been uh, amazing in this um, pandemic outbreak and how they, um, I don't know if you heard, they, they warned the WHO about this back in uh, December 31st, but unfortunately we are not a member. So uh, we were we, we sent scientists to Wuhan to visit um, to visit the whole outbreak scene. And um, we we saw that it's transmittable from people to people and it was serious. And we warned them and they didn't listen because we weren't a part of the international organization, unfortunately, because of political reasons. And um, my mom says don't talk about this, but I'm just gonna say it because uh, I'm, I, I don't care. Um, so um, yeah, and then like we warned them and they didn't listen. And then they said it wasn't transmittable from people to people, but of course we knew it was. And then 
they hit it and then now it has broken up but in Taiwan pretty much stuck with the whole gut and just like said like you know what we're gonna cut off like from China we're going to put a command center and have like press conferences at 2 p.m every afternoon and we're gonna quarantine people from those high-risk places for two weeks and we're going to call them three times a day and if they step out of the house we'll find them about three thousand to thirty-three thousand us dollars um if they step out of the house or to get food or whatever they, they need to stay at home and they need to um quarantine themselves and they'll call like we'll have a district war that'll call them uh three times a day to make sure that they're very safe that they're okay and if they're not okay it's in the hospital Right, and then track back where they've been. So, uh, so at this point, after you guys did a two week of you know not going places, are you able to go places now? Are you able oh, to so get together in groups of more than ten? We've never been. We, we we've never been under lockdown. Um, um, shockingly, we had never been under lockdown. Um, even though John Hopkins um, did predict that, said that we will be the second most hit country with COVID, but we. But um, we're miraculous, miraculously not um, because of, of what we have done. Like our government have, the Taiwanese government have done. And so you can go and you can meet with people, but do you guys wear masks? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, in, as an Asian country, we have, um, of course, face masks, but we limit the amount of face masks people can buy per week. Um, used to be like um, every adult, like they can wear like, three pieces of face masks that pretty much means like three em envelopes of and there's like three mat like three masks inside inside the envelope so there'll be like three envelopes of masks and that's like what they can have per week yeah and it's limited by the universal healthcare card and um and then like um right now uh because we have invested in making mask making machines we, we can have uh, make 17 million masks per day and our government has done a lot to um, donate to other countries because we have more masks in supply now like we donate 2 million to America recently and uh, 7 million to um, the other European countries affected by this horrific pandemic and um, I'm very proud uh, that um, that's what I have here up oh, here so yes I see very nice yeah, because well, um, and and we diverted from what we were going to talk about, but it was fascinating and fascinating to hear it from it from you, um, Alex. And as always, you know, I'm always struck by what a what a really intelligent, well spoken. You're very polite. Um, I've had many opportunities to meet with you. I know that Autism Rocks is going to come back stronger than ever before. And you're such an inspiration to all of us. Is there a place that you want us to go and follow you or Autism Rocks so that we can get more information? Um, I mean, right now, uh, for now, because I don't have the concert, I have been posting um, IGTV YouTube videos of people on the spectrum, and mostly videos provided by the Miracle Project and also some videos I created myself of people on the spectrum and um, it's them talking about their autism plus what they can do, their talent. And then so I can show them in either way through media that they're talented. And I also do a show called Talking with Alex, which is new. 
Where do we go to find all that, Alex? Oh, you can you can you can look at it at you can go to autismrocksevents.org and you can click on all the social media icons to right. redirect you to those websites and stuff and to the Instagram app or whatever to to find my um to find those uh, social media. Wonderful. Alex, it's been so great to see you. I just would like to give you a virtual hug. Um, and please give give a hug to your mom and your dad too. Yes. All right. And then we'll we'll talk again sometime soon. But thank you so much for being with us. Um, it's been it's been a pleasure. And I hope everyone can stay safe and have their social distancing in the States. And I hope um it'll be over for you guys soon. Um, it yeah. will be. And um, I, I'll just say on behalf of the people of Taiwan, we, we're thinking about you guys every day, praying for you guys and hoping that everyone around the world can stay safe and people watching um, your show. I just want to say that uh, thank you for supporting Autism Democracy throughout the years. And we will be back and stronger than ever. And we will do a concert again. Don't worry. Yes, you will. And I will be there. Thank you, Alex. Sending you love. Yeah. Uh, Love you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, I want to take just a couple of quick seconds here to go over some of the questions and comments that we have had come in. So uh, the biggest one that I wanted to talk about is this, uh, somebody wrote in about their 22-year-old who really loves to be out in the community but does not want to wear a mask. And I don't know if you've seen the videos of the healthcare workers who, um, you know, there's, there's one video that plays that shows all these people with bruises here and here. And I've even got some lines because I did a lot of yard work this weekend and was wearing the mask. The mask is a bummer, but I want you to know that there are several different types of masks. And it's a sensory thing because first of all, it's a sensory thing. It's touching your face, it's touching your ears. If you wear glasses, your glasses fog up. It sends sometimes air going up in towards your eyes. It's it, like, it really, I'm, you know, I've, I've got some issues from wearing the mask. What the doctors are telling us is that because they wear them so much, they just get used to them. But hey, what about the part about breathing? I was, you know, digging a flower bed the other day and I was just huffing and puffing, right? <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, it was like in the mask is going, <sighs> And it was hard to, you know, get all the air that I needed to get. So here's my advice for working on this with kiddos and adults on the autism spectrum is that first of all, we have to make it fun, right? And it does, we don't have to start with masks. We can just start with anything being here on your face. So, you know, uh, maybe you, you want to start by playing a game and you have to start with what's reinforcing to the individual. I used to love um, to do stage makeup um, and my sister's kids would love for me to like, you know, I'd say, what animal do you want to make your face into? And, and so we would, you know, put, make like a puppy face on them. Uh, but that's something on your face. You know, for a lot of our kiddos, they're not used to having something on their face. So we can start uh, with something like that if that's reinforcing to them. You could have them put the makeup on you, right? So that we start with having something there. Then we can, you know, move into other things that are on our face, like, you know, making a fake beard. And I mean, making it. Like you can take duct tape and yarn and make a fake beard and have fun with it. But it's got to, you know, these are ideas for somebody who likes to, to play other characters. 
if you have a kiddo that, or an adult who's not into that, you got to find what is the thing that's most interesting to them. Now, the person wrote in about a 22-year-old who really loves to be out in the community. So I would start with a 22-year-old of showing them pictures of all their favorite, like, people and their favorite celebrities and the different masks that they're wearing. And maybe, maybe you start with a very, very soft mask. You can still order things from fabric stores and there are all kinds of patterns and you don't have to have a sewing machine. Uh, there are some that are no sew, right? But they all feel different and they breathe differently. So let them sort of pick what they would like to do and have them do it to you right? And then have them start with just a little, like it might be that you have them put a mask on, but you cut a hole here so that it's not the breath, if that's the thing that's bothering them. But you build up that, you, you systematically desensitize so that they can build up what it feels like to have it on the face. I was wearing one ridiculously over the weekend that has the little metal thing that you crimp there. And guess who's allergic to nickel? So I've got all these rashes all over the place that I'm covering with makeup. We have to be mindful of the sensory element to it and not expect for somebody to just get over it in one minute. We gotta find what's reinforcing to them. We gotta find what's comfortable and then we gotta build up to it. But don't just think because you put the mask on them once and they couldn't do it, that it's not gonna happen. I, trust me, two weeks ago, the first time that I put the mask on to go out to do yard work, I was like, this is not going to happen. And I was out there for hours the other day. And I'm a very sensory person. I'm right up there with our kiddos. Um, so don't give up little by little by little. Okay. Um, and also somebody said self-care is not available for a single mom with two kids, full custody. I don't have family or respite care. I have uh, a PC for my autistic son, she's a therapist, but not my babysitter. What can I do for self-care when it's all on me? Um, you know, sometimes you got to do something before something else can happen. And, you know, what I was told when I started ABA was that I had to get some sleep before anything else could happen. And whether that's that, uh, you know, we have to be able to get your kids to sleep. So my first question to you would be, are your kids on a sleep schedule? Can we get them on a sleep schedule? And can we go through, you know, the bedtime passes and all the different things? Because the first best thing for self-care is being able to have time to sleep. And if your kids are sleeping, then you can sleep when they're sleeping. Um, and if we have to work on your sleep for insomnia, man, I'm loving that calm thing. They have stories and some of them are free. You guys, you download calm on your phone and they, they have famous people reading you stories that are so boring <laughs> that you cannot stay awake during them. And this is coming from an insomniac. So, uh, but if your kids aren't sleeping, it doesn't matter if you're ready to sleep. You got to have the kids go to sleep first. And then we can get, once we get that, and then we can talk about other things that you can do as well. But don't forget that you can do self-care with your kids. So if it's that what you really, what's self-care to you is putting a mud mask on, have the two kids sit there and have them put mud masks on too um, and wear them for 15 minutes. Because remember, we're modeling the behavior. Don't be afraid to do things self-care with your kids it, uh, because they're learning the self-care too. Okay. Uh, moving on here. 
Um, but, but I think that's I think that's all that we really have time for because I'm late for a meeting that I just remembered. But listen, you guys, it's such a pleasure and a treat to be here with you. Let me tell you very quickly. Tomorrow we have a Coach E Elaine Hall is going to be with us to talk about autism the sequel because there was autism the musical that's been available on HBO and tomorrow. Tomorrow night, Autism, the sequel, premieres on HBO. So Elaine will be with us tomorrow. Then on Wednesday, Dr. Grant Pichet. On Thursday, the last day of April, man, if I got a wonderful advocate for you, uh, Chelsea Darnell is going to be with us. She, like, I don't even know how to categorize her because she is such a talented young woman. She sings. She hosts on the red carpet. She hosts, hosts a movie chat for the Ed Asner Family Center which I really want her to talk with you guys about because it's something that any of your kiddos could be participating in. Like that 22-year-old, get him on the movie chat with Chelsea Darnell. Uh, it's a free thing and it happens on Saturday nights and you can do it from anywhere, anywhere. All right, uh, we are all out of time, but I appreciate, oh, and I forgot to tell you that on Friday, on Friday, we've got two wonderful autism advocates. We've got Anita Lesko is gonna be with us to talk about her new book, A Food Revelation, which I'm knee deep in. I, there's a recipe that she's got, you guys, for carrots that she tells me is to die for. And I'm, I'm marinating carrots right now. So I'm gonna give you the skinny on the carrots, literally the skinny. Um, but anyway, and then Ryan Lees, uh, Autism Self Advocate is gonna be with us also on Friday. We're all out of time. We'll be back here tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.